Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The command to be content is learned. It isn't a gift. It's not of the fruit of the Spirit that comes to you automatically. I have to learn it. And how do I learn it? I learn by experience. Personal experience. So where do I learn to be content? Not in church. Not in a Bible study. We learn to be content in the classroom of everyday life. Sometimes it seems as though you'll never be satisfied in life, doesn't it? There's something deep inside that gnaws at you, wanting to just be at rest, right? Well, even as a Christ follower, having the Holy Spirit inside you, there are times when even God almost doesn't feel like enough. As Pastor Mark is teaching, that feeling is the desire for contentment. It's not a fruit of the Spirit, unfortunately. It has to be learned and earned by working it out day to day in life. The Apostle Paul is talking about it, and if you listen to and put to use in your life what he has to say about it, you'll be on the road to finding contentment. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 4 as he continues his message, The Secret of Life. So here's the definition I want you to write. This is what we're going to learn together. Contentment. Satisfied with God's plan for my life. I've learned to be satisfied with God's plan for my life. Now, remember, application makes all the difference. So it's not just words. We're not just talking about nice words, Pastor Mark. No, it's when those things fall apart. And that was minor compared to the things you guys are going through. Let me just ask you a few questions this morning. Today, are you contented with what you have? This morning, are you contented with who you are? And today, are you contented right now in the current circumstances in your life? See, that's what Paul's talking about. In all of those conditions, who he was, what he had, and the circumstances, Paul said, I'm dependent on God. God's plan for me is good. I'm cool with it. I'm satisfied with it. Now, to understand the word content, sometimes it's good to give the opposite meaning of it. Let me read it to you. What's the opposite of being content and satisfied? Discontented, 
restless, anxious, unhappy, dissatisfied, and sad. Now, why isn't everybody simply content with who they are, what they have, and in their current circumstances? Because we have godly given appetites that God has given us. And very often we use those wrongly. God gives many great appetites. Food. But if I don't control that appetite, guess what? I'm unhealthy. Sex. Beautiful, beautiful gift that God's given us. But only to be used in marriage. So we have all of these kind of appetites that God's created in us. And the enemy knows how to come and bring discontentment in all of those. Let me give you two keys that bring discontentment to it. Write it down. Here they are. Number one, envy. And number two, greed. Those are the enemies of contentment. If I allow those things... In my life, they will destroy my joy, and they'll destroy my peace, and I never, never, never will be content or satisfied. Now, that word contentment in the Bible is a rich word. It's found in the Old Testament. It's found in the New Testament. The Bible just simply has a lot to say about it because, it's, as you're going to see later, it's kind of the key to life. And I know some of you, as you're listening to me right now, you're kind of saying, well, Pastor Mark, nice ideal. Man, I can be contented with who I am, what I have, and the circumstances. It's a great idea, but there's absolutely no way I'm going to attain that in my life. There's no way. You're wrong. I want you to write this down. Contentment is not only a virtue. It is a virtue, but it's not only a virtue. It's a command. It's not like this wish list from God. God says, well, if you're mature enough and you've been a Christian long enough, I'd like you to be content. The rest of you just be discontented all your life. Don't worry about it. You're a Christian. That's fine. No, no, not at all. Contentment is a command. It's required. It's something that God says, I absolutely want in your life. Now, remember this. Because some of you are still saying, well, cool, but not in my life. No, anything God asks us to do, anything God commands us to do, he enables us to do it. So I'm sorry, your excuse is useless. I can be contented. So can you. Because God commands that in our lives. Let me read you scriptures. 1 Timothy 6.6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. 1 Timothy 6, 8. Having food and clothing, with these be content. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, these appetites that God gives us are given to us because down inside... God put this little empty spot. Until he is in our life, we never find purpose and meaning. You can have all the stuff in the world, you'll never find purpose and meaning for your life. You can be very religious and you'll absolutely never find purpose and meaning. You will never be content. You can fool yourself, you'll never be content. You see, until I have God personally living inside me, that's very different than religion. 
These appetites will gnaw at me from the outside in a million different ways. And I want to give you three ways the world tries to be contented. The world tries to be satisfied. Three ways. Let me show them to you. Here we go. Number one. Here's option number one. Here's the way most of the world feels that they will finally be contented, have purpose and meaning. To get, to achieve, to conquer. The world's idea is this. More is better. More is better. But you and I know... How many raised your hand when I said, anybody here ever want more? How many raised your hand? Let me see your hand. That was everybody, wasn't it? Well, why did you want that? Because you thought more would bring what? Satisfaction and purpose in me. How'd that work for you? It doesn't work. I want another piece of pie after the first one. More. And I want ice cream on this one. How'd that do at the end of it? You ever eat a Chinese meal? I love Chinese food. An hour and a half later, what? You're hungry again. You've eaten there too, eh? That's right. After there, you want to say what? More. Am I right? You're married. Let's talk about sexuality. Does more ever enter the conversation ever? Well, for the guy, it definitely enters the conversation. How did that work for you? We won't even go there. Just understand that our appetites are always more, but it, it simply never works. More money, bigger house, more TV, different car, new computer. The minute you buy that computer, walk it up, the minute you get the new phone and bug it up, you get your iPad, ah, and they just bring the three out the next day. <laughs> Am I right? More doesn't work. Well, we should know that from our own life. But God warned us. Let me give it to you. Ecclesiastes 5.10. Just write it down and you can look it up later. Here's what it says. Whoever loves money never has money enough. (laughs) Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Are those wise words? They're very wise words. Now, you young people, forget this. I'm talking to the older people. How many remember making two bucks an hour? How many make maybe two bucks an hour? You young people are going, two bucks an hour? Hey, that's how you got here. Quit making fun of us. <laughs> Am I right? Now, when you made two bucks an hour, what did you want to do? Here's what you said. If I can make 250, I can rule the world. <laughs> how did that work for us? And now some of you are making 20, 30, 40 bucks an hour. You're satisfied, right? I think not. It's always what? A little bit more. It's a dead end. It never works. It was never designed to work. Life does not consist in the abundance of things. Number two. By the way, the end of that verse in Ecclesiastes says this too is meaningless. You're here today, you want more business. By the way, what do you think pastors want? I have this written in my Bible. I'll always want more people, more buildings, more income, more missions. That can't drive me. Because it'll never be satisfied. Same for you with your business. More economies, more sales, more what? Nothing wrong with that. But that will not fulfill. Here's the second one. We have a whole group of people, Stoics in the Old Testament, Buddhists and those kind of people today... 
They try to learn to desire less. They don't desire more. They attack it from the desire aspect. And basically what they're saying is, stuff doesn't matter, so I'm going to suffocate my desires, and then I'll be content. That doesn't work. Listen, contentment and satisfaction in life is not about less stuff. It's all circled around a personal relationship with God. Let me tell you how the Stoics in the Old Testament thought in the New Testament in Jesus' days. A state of mind in which man is absolutely independent of things and all people. In other words, there's no emotion involved with things. I have no feelings about things. Ah, it's nice. Ah, no feelings about it. I don't know anybody that's like that. Now, here's what they propose. If you want to make a man happy, add not to his possessions, but take away from his desires. Sounds great. Never works. The Stoics believed that the only way to be content was to abolish all desire until a man came to a stage where nothing and no one were essential to him. It's really called the contentment of indifference. Well, that doesn't work. I've been in Asia, my wife and I, many times. I've been recently, a year ago or so, we were staying with one of our missionary couples and teaching and we went out in the morning, we were staying in their house, and there's a little bell ringing. And it's the Buddhist monks going down neighborhood streets, just like you live on. And you're supposed to, if you're Buddhist, you, you bring out fruit and rice and stuff to put in their bag. They're going out every morning and collecting this. Now, see, they're the ones that are moving toward, they have no desire for anything. Well, if you have no desire for anything, why are you out collecting food? I'm not making fun. You understand? It just doesn't work. Well, how come you didn't bring us something? So that is a dead end. So more is a dead end. Trying to be the super spiritual person that has no desire for anything. No emotion about it. That doesn't work. You already know that. Well, what is the solution? Here it is. It's the only solution. It's God's. Number three. Learn to be continually content by trusting God. That's what Paul's saying. You see... Many commentators believe, and it's a good thing for you to write in your Bibles around verse 10 and 11, just write the secret of life. I wrote it there 30 years ago in one of my Bibles. The secret of life. What is the secret of life? Here it is. I can be content because God is enough. I can be content because God is enough. I'll explain what that means in a moment. You're like saying, you mean it's all spiritual? No, it's not all spiritual at all. But I can be content. I can be satisfied because I serve a God that is simply enough. Would you turn to your neighbor right now and just say to them with a smile and with excitement, God is enough. Go ahead and do it right now. God. Now, let me have you look at me. I want you to listen to this. Application makes all the difference. It's nice saying it. Was God all enough on Monday for me? (laughs) See, application is where it's at. So, you and I have to understand how to apply it. That's what I'm going to teach you in the next few moments. Now, look at verse 11. And I'm going to give you the Balmer translation. The Balmer translation. So, read along in your translation. For some of you don't know, this is my intake at it to kind of get you to understand what's in the verse. So Paul says this in verse 11. 
I am not saying this because I am in need. For on the very day that I became a Christian, God came to me and gave me the gift of contentment. And I've been content and satisfied ever since the day I got saved. Is that what your Bible says? How many of you, the day you got saved, God gave you the gift of salvation and he gave you the gift of contentment and you've been satisfied of everything. Never wanted another thing in your life. Perfectly happy with who you are and the circumstances. Anybody want to raise their hand? It never came, did it? It wasn't a gift. Well, then how can I learn to be content? Ah, let's read the verse the way it's supposed to be read. Look at verse 11. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have, circle the word, learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul had to learn contentment. It isn't natural to mankind. In fact, the original language says it like this. I have learned to be continually content. So here's what I want you to write. The command to be content is learned. It isn't a gift. It's not of the fruit of the Spirit that comes to you automatically. I have to learn it. And how do I learn it? I learn by experience. Personal experience. So where do I learn to be content? Not in church. Not in a Bible study. We learn to be content in the classroom of everyday life. I was learning to be content on Monday in my office at the house. You and I understand that life is unpredictable. It's like a roller coaster. The Bible is filled with amazing role models, Paul's one of them, who learned to be content in all of these circumstances. As I said, the circumstances that I had money are nothing compared to many of you right now that you're going through. Those are so minor. Paul had amazing roller coaster rides. From the richest to the most devastating you can imagine. That's where he learned to simply trust God. Now, where is Paul as he's writing this? Let me remind you. Paul was writing this letter as a prisoner. He's chained to a Roman soldier. He's unable to move about in freedom. He's no longer able to do what he loved to do. Paul loved to get a group of young guys and go around the world, three missionary journeys, and go around the world, never knowing where he's going to stop, being led by the Spirit, loving God do it, and starting churches and ministering. He loved it. He couldn't move 50 yards. He's chained. He's in prison. He couldn't do what he wanted to do. He's also facing an unknown future. He believes Nero is probably going to execute him. Listen to F.B. Meyer. Paul, depraved of every comfort and cast as a lonely man on the shores of the great strange metropolis, with every movement of his hand clanking a fetter, And nothing before him but the lion's mouth or the sword. So every time Paul wrote, what you have there, his chain clanged. But see, he 
He was not only content with that, but he was busy for the Lord with that. That's huge. Well, what does he continue to write? Look at verse 12. I know, personally, Paul says, what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. Aha. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You see, contentment is not some spiritual elusive thing. Contentment is an attitude of commitment to live in the present circumstances because God is enough. Contentment is not external. It's internal. And today I want to give you four ways to learn to be contented. Four ways. So I'm going to give them to you. Three of them start with the word think. Now, why would I do that? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Very often when I'm not content, it's bad thinking. When things are going bad, I'm saying, God, what did I do wrong? Why are you angry at me? I can't communicate. I can't get my messages. I'm, I'm, supposed to, I'm, on, I'm on this mission trip for you. That's wrong thinking. So here's number one. Think. Think. God is my generous, don't forget that word, heavenly father. God is my generous heavenly father. Understand if you're a Christian today, you have a heavenly father. He's perfect. He's generous. He's fantastic. He's all-knowing. He owns everything. Look at John 1.12. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, I want you to turn to Matthew 7.11. You see, when I became a Christian... I didn't only get forgiveness. I didn't only get the gift of God's love and he came to live inside me personally. But I have a role with God now. He's my heavenly father. Now, all of us have different roles and different backgrounds with fathers. Some of you had really, really absent fathers, poor fathers. Some of you had great fathers. None of them compared to God. He's perfect. Look in Matthew 7. If you then, though you are evil comparatively, God and humans, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much, what's the word? More. You mean there's more? Yeah, I'm going to teach you that God says we can have more. In fact, God's desire is for us to have more. To him who is able to do exceedingly more than you can ask or think. But it's his desires, not ours. How much more will your Father in heaven give? What kind of gifts? Good gifts. Not one of those that you got to pass off next Christmas at the party. A tie that you would never wear, to even to a funeral you'd never wear it. Give good gifts to those who ask Him. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the dual nature of contentment. It's not just a virtue, but also a biblical command. You learned about the many places the Bible speaks of contentment as being a result of having a proper relationship with God. You were also told about the many unsuccessful ways the world tries to attain contentment in life and why you should avoid them. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. The next teaching by Pastor Mark will be the conclusion of The Secret Life. He will be talking again about the importance of intentionality, of thinking clearly about what God wants for your life. He will be encouraging you to acknowledge that God knows what's best for you and has the ability to make any circumstance not only tolerable, but for you to be able to thrive in whatever condition you're in. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Contagious Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.